All right, the record button has been pressed, so it is time for Finding the Flow with Joel Franklin um, in work mode, I guess. I don't, I don't know what you call it, want to call it. I'm, I'm in non-editing, don't, don't have any time making a shitty recording while I work podcast. Finding the Flow with Joel. I don't even call it episode 17. Um, so I'm kind of last minute here, obviously last minute here. Uh, so I'm making something easy because, uh, I ended up, um, uh, my, my plans for the interview on Friday night didn't work out. And, uh, and then I had some ideas after that, but that didn't work out either. And it gets me thinking. Now, um, there seems to be, I mean, Dan talked about it, but I mean, I think it's a general trend. It's a universal thing that phone calls are kind of have a lot of anxiety behind them. You know, you can get trapped in a phone call that you don't want to be in. Or uh, you could you could be talking to someone and and you're not prepared to talk with that person and and you don't want to do that or whatever you know phone calls are a little bit intimate especially compared to texting texting you it, it's not just about it's not like you're not you're, you're you get to be dealing with someone but you kind of get to deal with them on your own terms I guess you could say if you stop talking when you text, then, then, uh, you could say, okay, that person's not there or they, or, or whatever. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's easier to get out of a situation. It's easier to say exactly what you want because you have time to think about it and you can just write down what, exactly what you want. And so it's a lot less anxiety. And so now we're getting so used to doing texts that a phone call is, you know, it's hard to do nowadays. Um, it's funny. Like I've I've had points where I've actually been texting someone for like a good ten minutes, and then I I, I like get sick of doing that, and so I I, uh, I give them a phone call, and they don't answer. You know, they are on obviously on the other line they've been talking to you for the last 10 minutes they're not going anywhere and they they seem to be able to do it easy enough they they're not initiating a phone call and so i make a phone call and all of a sudden no one answers and it's just obvious you know they're (laughs) it's too much anxiety make a phone call i don't know maybe it's because it's it is intimate but I mean, it's not that intimate, but but also you got to think on the spot, and when you have to think on the spot, I don't know. You're just not. It's not as easy. It's stressful, you know. And so I get it, but sometimes I think it goes a little bit to the extreme. Uh, so either way, I just think, what what is this anxiety that we have? Is it related to this this new little bubbles that we're able to create through the internet? You know, we're able to find our interests on the internet, find communities on the internet that all think the same way, 
and then we can just basically through the internet have kind of a sense of community that way because there's always things going in and out from that community people sharing stuff um, you can feel like you're somewhere else when you know reality you might be where you are and um, so me for instance half the time I don't even feel like I'm here in the country on the farm you know uh, I feel like I'm hanging out with you guys you know I feel like I'm back in college maybe I don't, I don't know where I feel like I am but I feel like I'm part of this virtual community that doesn't really fill a space it's just it's like a internet space it's a virtual or a cloud place that I share and sometimes I want to be there all the time and so that ever so much encourages us to make our own little bubbles, our own little walls and houses. We all have have our own little, uh, our rooms, our solitude and everything that we fall back into. And it makes makes us like, you know, shut-ins, you know. We get, we get anxiety from seeing people, uh, interacting with people because people suck. I guess that's all, I mean, I... Speaking about, you know, like the farm that I work at, you know, it's not the, it's definitely, it's never the work. I mean, I I really have to say, I can handle this work, but it is the goddamn people. The people are hard. They're always, Dan was talking about it. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be the farm. It's like the workplace atmosphere. There's always those fellow employees that, like you said, Dan, you're not sure if they're telling the truth, if they're being nice, but they're really thinking something different, if they're blah, 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 you know, you kind of have to, you got to navigate that shit. And I get exhausted by that. I, I, I have a hard time with it. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I just, uh, I don't. I don't know what what to do. But I mean, that that doesn't just exist in the work environment. It work. It exists in social circles too. And uh, it sucks. Who wants to Who wants to deal with people with all that freaking bullshit going on? All that, all that deceit and lies and saying one thing but thinking another and really knowing or knowing something about someone, but then being nice anyways. You know, like. You might know someone is kind of a dirt baller. They've been really mean to you in the past. But today, you're just going to have to forget that ever happened. And so, I get it. I get why there's anxiety with those things. And I think I have ever more so. But maybe most of us do because we're both all nerds. I think we all share that um, thing about us. Well, I mean, the the pod pod people, we all share uh, nerddom, which always comes along with, like, some nasty shit that probably happened in your childhood. You know, you're probably picked on, you're probably bullied, and that stuff sucks. And uh, so, you know, we probably all came from an angle where we didn't get always get the best side of people. We didn't always get the best of that social environment. We probably got the worst of it. And so now we can create our little bubbles, our little geek fortresses, and just nerd out and never have to deal with those people again.
but in reality it's not really true. Eventually we are going to have to deal with our outside world because it does all start crumbling down after a while. It feels like it's kind of crumbling down on me. I don't know. I, uh, I guess, you know, I'm having another one of those low points. Um, like, it's, my job is really, really, really hard. And, and then on the other side of it, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I just always getting shit from the other guys, you know. Uh, and it's hard to keep it going. Keep on getting up and doing it again. And, you know, it's not just fucking getting up in like a, you know, a shitty situation. I mean, it's like getting up at 4.30 in the morning. I mean, not even ass crack at dawn before the ass crack at dawn. Stars are out still. It's very cold. And just going right at it. You know, I mean, it's all a blur from about... 5, 4.35 to uh, to 8.30 I am just going, going, going then finally I have a breakfast break and uh, and so you know my mind's been racing I actually just got done uh, Dan sent me some Final Fantasy 6 stuff um, he, he'll, he'll actually know exactly what it is because uh, we were just talking just now so it's just been like 10 minutes ago that I was just done listening to this all and we were talking about how epic Final Fantasy 6 is and um, so uh, it's, it's fun it, I mean just to hear those those uh, the music from Final Fantasy 6 he, he sent me a file of, of the music in, in orchestral form and it's so good uh, I'm sure he could send it to you guys if you're interested I, I don't know but, but I mean I, I personally would probably say there's never been a time when the music, the story, the action, the playability of a game was so right. Everything was so right with that game. And, uh, and yeah, just to listen to that back, it's just funny because I get all these memories of the stories and everything with every song. And it's just so hard to imagine that that was... It's just a, a video game, and now thinking about it, it's like a 2D video game. The figures are all kind of silly looking. Yet that that it's such a gripping game, and I think it was all about the the drama and the music. I mean, and even the graphics. That when when did uh, when you go into the airship? That was pretty cool. That kind of a 3D looking thing. I mean, it was a really awesome game. And then, like Dan was saying, like 20 hours of gameplay or something like that. I, don't, I actually think he said more than that. Probably probably even more than that. Probably like 50 hours. I, 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 I couldn't imagine being able to get that done in 20 hours. But anyways. So, I haven't heard you guys' podcast yet. I think I'm going to listen to them after. Just so I, because I haven't really caught up since my raw dog episode um and I'm barely going to catch up now I think I'm just going to try to think of everything that I can possibly think of Chris I was thinking about um your you were talking about 
the Republican guy, and then the whole back and forth between you and Dan. And I, uh, I thought that was interesting. Now, the one thing I would say is that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that Dan says the truth. I would say that Dan just says, you know, he just says, um, like, not well, he says if, if he thinks something is wrong or if he has a different opinion or if he thinks that his opinion is more valid or whatever, he'll, he'll feel free to say it. And I like that. Um, truth is a hard thing to say because the truth is so hard to know. But I think Dan's, Dan's definitely good at like kind of, kind of like catching you, you know, with a little bit of bullshit. It's like, you know, sometimes we make claims and things with that, you know, can sound very, very much, very blanketed statements, you know, like, and really, you can't, you can't think that way, really. I mean, it's the world is so dynamic, you know, that it's really hard to say blanketed statements. But either way, still, I had a similar thing happen to me with uh, Beck, one of my favorite musical artists, um, when the whole, uh, the whole Scientology thing got brought up. So I guess Beck is... A uh, Scientologist, or at least supports the church, and I, I remember reading something about it, and then it, it definitely after that, like when I first heard, I was like, no way, and then I looked, and you know, he pretty much said himself, he's like, yeah, you know, I I'm I'm a Scientologist, and you know, I wouldn't judge so much upon, you know, what you think they are, because I mean, he says like they, they do a lot of good things for the community. He says they do like charity and stuff. And, uh, and, and he also, you know, I think his father was one and he just joined, you know, like it wasn't like he, uh, he, he joined post. It was something that he had since he was a kid. And there's part of me that thinks, I mean, especially if it's a religion of your, when you were a child, like, it's like, who, who really cares? I mean, like religion is religion and almost in the end no matter what the hypocrisy, because most of the time there is some sort of hypocrisy because it's all based upon... uh, Oh, human... Humanness. so humanly flawed, the church and Bible, what it says and everything. There's... Because there's so much of a human element to it. And there's obviously, you know... It's hard to know what's right and what's wrong. I I think how Scott and I talked about it was pretty much how we feel, you know, the... That uh, God is us- is actually a symbolic thing, and uh, and we just don't realize it, you know. Or 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 when we make it into a literal thing, that's when, or the fundamentalist ideas, that's when we start, you know, doing exactly what the opposite of what of what was was wanted out of religion to begin with which is basically kind of like how, how I was talking about phone calls, you know, it's just freaking making the effort to be good to people. I mean, that's, that's really the conclusion of most religions or being a good person. Being good to people and being a good person or, or being a good person means you have to be good to people. And so either way, when I found out that Beck was a Scientologist, 
I had a hard time living with that. Um, and I still do. I still don't listen to him the same. It's hard. It's really, it's rough. I, it's, it, it, part of me, after that explanation, you know, um, made me feel okay about it. But then there's still a part of me that's just like, uh, I don't know. Like, is like, it's so socially wrong to be a Scientologist now that it's so hard to get beyond that. And so, I don't know. I guess fuck the social pressure. God damn it. I like Beck. I mean, the things that come out of him are, are amazing. It kind of makes me think, when I was listening to the Final Fantasy VI stuff, it started making me think of Wagner. Now, Wagner was, uh, you know, like an uh, anti-Semite. Uh, he believed in the pure Aryan race or whatever, or the, the master race. And, uh, you know, he was just a freaking... He was an amazing composer that got a little too, you know, cocky. Fucking thinking that uh, because he's making the most amazing works ever, that somehow, you know, that makes his race uh, better than anyone else. I mean, the, the, what being able to make really complicated music in a very specific way says nothing compared to the genius that's out there in so many ways. There's so many forms of genius. So anyways, um, yeah, I haven't listened to all you guys, but I did, I, I got my, them on my phone, so I am going to listen to them very soon, and I caught a glimpse on Dan's thing that said that he's going to talk about Breaking Bad, and I wanted to talk about Breaking Bad too. I think everyone that's been watching Breaking Bad wants to talk about it because it is amazing. Uh, amazing in like a, I haven't had a movie or a TV series move me the way that this has moved me. Um, and so, I don't, I don't know where you've gotten to, but I, I'm, uh, I'm like in episode 15 or something like that. I, I've just finished. And um, I, I try not to, to spoil anything. I've got I to be careful how I say this. But I, what I mean, Chris brought up the whole point of, of you know, is is he good or bad? You know, it keeps on making you want to root for him. You know, like uh, there's always elements of Walter White that that makes you feel like, well, he's just doing it for his family, or whatever. And still. Even at this point, I, I, I can't remember how many episodes are, are left, but there might only be one or two. And uh, just, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I still like him, you know? I think uh, there's still room for that. I think that, I think that just goes to show, maybe, maybe the real thing is trying to say is that we're all a little bit... Like, you can understand people, but then again, he portrays some of the guys, like the, I think I can just say this, like the, that, that blonde 
guy, I can't remember his name, the guy that kind of looks like a blonde Matt Damon or whatever, um, and his uncle from prison or whatever. Now, those guys, it was pretty much cut and dry evil, you know? But, um, but Walter, I mean, I was just about to say, you know, I think there's, there's a good side in everyone, you know? But, uh, I don't know, the way they portray that, that guy, I mean, that's pretty, it seems like pure evil to me. I'm just really shaken up by Breaking Bad, and I still have to say I'm rooting for Walter Wright. I mean, the way that they make it, I don't know how you can't still be rooting for Walter, because, I mean, he's... He's just kind of doing the best he can with each situation. You know what I mean? I mean, what else can you do? What else can you say? I don't know. Like, like I'm really feeling like if he really wanted me to feel like he was evil, then he would have made him like the uncle or whatever. But he wasn't like the uncle. He had to make decisions. He always made decisions. I think the the, the real thing is, is just a chain of events when he decided to to make drug money. That that's about it. And then from then on, I mean, I think every choice it seemed like he made was something that was uh, understandable, I guess. So I guess that's that's the whole idea, but I still feel like, okay, if you're going to make it like that, there's, it's basically just thinking, what would it be like if I didn't know Walter White? What would it be like from the outside? You know, and that's what I really feel like. It's just Walter White being him, and you know him, and anyone that knows exactly what he decided to do would pretty much respect him. I think the... Lawyer guy, Bob Odenkirk, he respects him. Uh, the other guys dealing with criminal whatever seem to respect him. But, uh, you know, they respect his thinking. They respect his, I mean, basically just goodness. I don't know. It's hard. So it's basically just a matter of you thinking about what's it like to be not one of the people in his inside circle. What would it be to be that person? And that's where they really could feel like, well, he's evil. And there's no 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 if, and, or but about it. Uh, and so I see my wife now, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to end it here. But uh, I'll listen to all your podcasts right after this. And I've been enjoying everything. And uh, thank you, and have a good day.